new series, and in this new series, um, I'm going to ask that you would stand with me and pray, and uh, our morning exercise. I entitled this, Christmas is Coming, How Do I Act? Because what we just ministered to you in this last series, a lifestyle of giving, every one of us have changed. There's not one person in here that could say, I'm just the same or whatever. You have changed because the Word of God does that. And in the realities of understanding giving, I want you to recognize that there is a kingdom reality of the identity of a giver. And what is going to manifest now is your your soul is going to cry out to you and just begin to tell you to do things. But I also want to tell you is that there's a certain way that we all are to act like. In other words, kingdom. We are to think kingdom. Be led of the Spirit. We are to be led of God in everything that we do. Even in the very simple things that we do. Yesterday, um, I, I went to go pick up something small for my wife for Christmas. So I'm, because of the busyness, I, I just, I had about a hour and a half leeway to go to the store to pick up something uh, yesterday because I was just going all over the place. And um, by the time I got to the front door of the store, I had given all my money away. I had $120 in my pocket. And that's what I was going to use to get this, this thing uh, for my wife. And I, by the time I got there, there were people that were around that the Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to give that person $100 and I want you to give that person $20. And so I had to turn around and go back to my car and drive home. And my wife says, what'd you do? I said, oh, I just drove to a store to give my money away, you know, jokingly. And she knew what happened as the, the Lord, um, you know, led me to do that. So how do you act in this Christmas season? There's all kinds of things, all kinds of commercials, all kinds of stuff going on. I'm telling you that we need to act kingdom reality. And not allow the world to push us, but allow our spirit to lead us, the Holy Spirit to lead us into everything that we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you rule and reign at Valley Community Church. The word is first, that we desire to know you, to to understand you, and to recognize the beauty of holiness. Thank you, Lord, as we dive into the Word of God, this new series, during this Christmas season that we're busy running around, our minds are going everywhere. Lord, settle our heart. Settle our heart. Settle our heart that we would do exactly what you ask us to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you as you are seated. First of all, in how do I act is we must have a life of giving thanks. There was a little boy who wrote a postcard to God. Dear God, my family needs $500 for bills. But a postal worker read the postcard, and he went around to his uh, co-workers and gathered up $300 from his co-workers and sent it to the boy. 
So the little boy wrote another postcard, and it said, Dear God, thank you for the money. Next time, send more, because the post office deducted $200. (laughs) He knows about taxes, doesn't he? But I think he was grateful. But that's what Thanksgiving is about, being grateful. Thanksgiving is about giving thanks. It is about a thankful heart. It is about a giving attitude. We're diving into the Christmas season. Thanksgiving is about gratitude, and the opposite of gratitude is greed. So here's my premise in today and also in the series. Giving to others exposes their hearts. Giving to others exposes their hearts. When we become a giver, which you are, and you're anointed in that area because you're kingdom thinking, and your whole life is that you are a giver, now what I want you to understand, being that giver has power, and it impacts those that you give to and those around you. We have talked about a lifestyle that gives, and again, now that you are that giver, Now that the Christmas season is here, how in the world do you act? I have changed. We have changed. How do we act? Because we haven't thought this way in our whole life. Because we have grown in the realm of this lifestyle, kingdom lifestyle. So it's a choice how others, how they relate to you. Either they are so happy for you, or greed sets in. If you don't watch it, even though you're a giver, other people's greed will impact you. So we're going to cover Luke chapter 12 and and Deuteronomy chapter 8. And let's read from Luke 12, beginning with verse 13. And we're talking about the difference between greed and gratitude. Living a lifestyle of gratitude or living a lifestyle of greed. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. See, back then it was the firstborn that got it all. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Listen to what he just said. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. Now, right there, he said nothing wrong. He he was just saying, the Lord's blessing me. I'm just going to build bigger barns. But as we read, we will see error in his thinking. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. 
He says, take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. Nothing wrong with vacations, nothing wrong with Sabbath, nothing wrong with uh, allowing the blessings of the Lord to bless you, because we're going to learn that. But watch the heart. How do we act in this world as a giver? But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now he is saying your focus is totally on you. That's what Jesus is saying. Your focus is, has become totally on you, and it is not on God. His focus is not on helping others either. So we can say in the business world, this man was a consumer, not a steward. God says, I am going to bless you. And I am going to give you abundance. You're a giver. You're a lifestyle. You're kingdom thinking now. You're going to be blessed and give abundance so you would steward them for the kingdom, not just to consume for your own needs or wants. Now, follow me because right now, anytime that people talk about money or things or stuff, we, we get a little edgy because we, we just don't want to hear certain things. We certain, let's use the term of today, trigger words. We don't want to hear certain things because it causes us to get angry and mad. Hey, you don't have any, any say on that. Well, God is saying we need to understand the heart of the giver and how do you live that out? How do you act? God doesn't mind if you have abundance of things. He wants you to have stuff. Let's just clear that up. I am tired of the poverty preachers. God wants you to have stuff. We must develop a culture in our personal lives that produces spiritual maturity in this area of our life. God is not consumed or concerned with how much stuff you have, he is concerned with you. God's heart is to bless you. God's heart is to use you in the kingdom of God and let you be that conduit of the blessings of the Lord. So here's my first point. And my first point is probably the deepest thing I've ever said to you in 13 and a half years. First point, stuff is stuff. I'm being a little facetious there. Stuff is stuff. God really doesn't care how much stuff you have. See, when you live a lifestyle of giving, stuff will accumulate. How many of you, when you first got married, could fit all your stuff in your closet? And now if you moved, you'd have to hire three companies to move you, because you got a lot of stuff. But my point is, God doesn't care how much stuff you have, but he's concerned how much stuff has you. 
How do I act in this, this blessing? How do I act in this lifestyle that God gives back, pressed down, shaken together, running over? How do I act in this life of prosperity? Oh, trigger word, don't say prosperity. How do I act when I got, that's why I'm using stuff as stuff. How do I act with my stuff? If a man is worth $10 million and his heart is not in his stuff, and another man is worth $10,000, but his heart is in his stuff, the guy with $10,000, he's the one that's wrong. It has nothing to do with the stuff that you have. It has nothing to do with the house that you have. It has nothing to do with the car that you have. It has nothing to do with the bank account that you have. It has everything to do, does your stuff have you? There was nothing wrong. The man had a large crop and he needed to build bigger barns to hold his crop. The word says God will bless us and our storehouses if our heart is not into our storehouse. Our heart must be into God's storehouse. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. I'm going to tell you, God's okay with barns. If you need a bigger barn, build it. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See, during the seven years of, of feasting, getting ready for the seven years of drought, Joseph built bigger barns. So it's in the story, it's in the Bible. Stories are there constantly talking about people building something bigger because God has blessed them. Why did God bless them? Because they are living the life of a giver. And this is how you act. You don't allow the blessing, you don't allow the prosperity, all these trigger words, you don't allow these things to run your life. Because remember, everything's God's. In the story, Joseph was not building the barns for himself, but for others to help others. He was in prison. The next day, he was second in command. The next day, he was building bigger barns to save the world from starvation. That's how God can use you when your mind, your heart is not into your stuff. When your heart is into the kingdom of God, when your heart is into helping others, when your heart is into doing the work of the kingdom and following in obedience God's laws about giving. Are you following this? <clears throat> so it's okay to have a lot of stuff if your heart's right. In Luke 12, the man's heart was wrong. Look at what it says here. Just watch what it says. We're talking about, it's Christmas time. How do you act? Luke 12, 15. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. I am not more of a man or less of a man by the stuff I possess. My worth in the kingdom of God is not based upon my stuff. So what does that mean? The answer is my possessions have nothing to do with what type of man I am. How I follow the Lord, how I treat my wife, how I treat my family, 
how I serve in the kingdom, this measures what type of man I am. God wants us to be generous and a good steward of our stuff. Remember, God doesn't mind that you have a lot. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. God wants you to have a lot. But remember, God owns everything. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I just want to tell you, how do you act? Act in such a way that God finds you doing his will. How do you act? Do you act in a way of soft answer turns away wrath? What you do is you begin to live that life that God is searching around. What he's trying, he's searching is for a steward that he can say, here, have some more and give it out. But when, it, when it's about me, he can't find me because I'm not doing what he's looking for. So let me say it another way. God is looking throughout the whole earth for people that will be good stewards. He has a church that needs to be taken care of. He has missionaries that need to be sent. Soon we're going to be announcing to you we're sending Jeremy to Japan. He has poor people that need to be fed. And we give gifts to in Christmas. We're collecting toys. We're collecting gifts for these children. We're, we're doing bikes. We're doing all the things that we're doing. And we've done that every single year. People who work in the CARES ministry, it's not about them. It's about taking care of the poor. Oh, but some of them poor, it's about them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll find more people in poverty have the wrong attitude than people that are in prosperity. Because the reason why they prospered is because they were doing the work of God. Amen. The world will want to turn it around. The world will want you to worship the spirit of poverty. That it's something good. That if, that if you have stuff, I'm getting ahead of myself here in this series, but I want you to understand you are so gifted. He is looking for you to steward your gifts well. But pastor, I don't have time. Steward your time so you have time to do your ministry. But pastor, I don't have enough. Well, then, then plan. Build a bigger barn in your spirit, in your heart, so that when stuff happens, you have the stuff to do it. Time, strength, emotional strength, all the above. That's why I'm in the Word every single day. Because there are times, you know, sometimes people will look at a pastor and they'll just think, well, that's just what he does. You know, and then someone that is part of the church and they lose a loved one or, or a friend of mine passes away or someone who represents a spiritual father or a father that passes away. And I've been with him for 30, 35 years. And then you stand up there and there's no tears going down my cheek, but I'm ministering the word of God at a funeral, at a memorial. And I'm sitting in the hospital room as the person is laying there. 
and I'm broken, but I'm ministering to other people. People will look at a pastor and say, oh, he just, it just doesn't bother him. Really? When you have a heart that gives, when you have a heart that loves people, when you have a heart of God, then what happens when things like this happens, it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. This past few weeks, I lost a friend and I lost a mom. It breaks your heart. But see, that's the reality is what I'm saying is how do you act is the reason why is there tears that are shed driving away from a hospital. There are times that you're praying, times you just don't want to eat because you're feeling what the family's feeling. And the reality is the reason why is because you're a giver. But because you're a giver and you give in the emotions, you know what happens? God gives back to you and he gives you comfort. And you can have strength in the time, in those times of loss. And it goes on in every area. Every area of of life as a pastor. Every area of life, you elders, there are times that you just, you know, you're running and you come home from work and you're called to go to a hospital. You're a giver. And, and And you're almost stressed out because of time. But the reality is you go. Why do you go? Because you're a giver. Why do you do what you do? It's because you love people. Why do they write the songs? Because not only God's gifted us with the psalmist, gifted us with such amazing people in the sound of everywhere, and we're so gifted in this church, and now they're writing songs, and they're doing because we have said, we will do what God says for us to do. And we're writing songs and we're putting out the CDs and we're doing what God has called us to do. And now we're reaching around the world and not just reaching us. Amen. Are you following the thought here? Because your mind sometimes, because right now, some of you, you have your list, you've checked it a hundred times and you're still stressed because you don't know how you're going to get it all for all the people you love. You don't know how you're going to buy all those gifts. You're stressed out about it. And this message is not how to buy all the gifts. This, is, this message is how do you act in the middle of life? You still stay the same. You become that giver and you live that life. Anybody with me? See, you are so gifted, and he's looking for you to steward your gifts well. He's looking for you to be involved. He's looking for you to do things. He's looking for you to really be church. Because church is not the walls. Church is you and me working together. The 90% you have left from tithing, be a good steward. When you steward well, God will pour money into your life. God will bless your marriage with greater purpose. We have purpose, greater purpose. He will give greater vision for life. But let me tell you about a problem. I'm being facetious again. If you are generous and are a good steward, God is going to bless you. Your greatest battle will be in your prosperity, not in your poverty. 
That's your greatest battle. Because a spirit of mammon will come in and try to rip you up. And I'm telling you that when you understand how to act in this. Last series, we talked again about a life that gives, gives and gives. Now, because you have chosen to be a giver, because of generosity and stewardship, God will give you more and more and more. I'm preparing you for more. I'm preparing you for blessings. I'm preparing you for greater health. I'm preparing you for greater prosperity. Sometimes when we look at at people who have a lot of stuff, we immediately judge them as unspiritual. It is very possible that they're more spiritual than all of us. They have a spirit of generosity and stewardship, and they've gone way above and beyond, and God has blessed them above and beyond. Now, what I am not saying is everybody that has stuff is spiritual or generous with stewardship. So understand that. That's the way people judge. Oh, they must have cheated. They were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Really? Read some of the stories of people who have a lot of stuff. Read where they came from. But when you do it God's way, generosity, stewardship, treating your family well, faithful to your call, faithful to your church, tithe, give or giving, and you just just downright love people, always a soft answer that turns away wrath, living in the character and the culture of the kingdom that's within you, the kingdom of God, you become a blessing and God will bless you. That's how you act. Covetousness is looking at other people's stuff and wanting it. See, and scripture even talks about the firstborn in there the inheritance of the firstborn. Church family, don't feel guilty if you were blessed. I've told you the story. Driving up to the church in North Carolina the first time and in a brand new Jeep that I, I purchased, that I saved for and bought. Drove up there. Oh, we're paying you more than enough. The spirit of guilt just destroyed me to the point where I sold the car. By the way, I've grown up in that area. And you come to me and say, hmm, I guess we're paying you more than enough driving that car. I'm going to say, amen. I must be good. Amen? See, and that's wherever you're at. It's not about the stuff. It's literally you becoming a person that lives this life. (laughs) So don't feel guilty. Don't ever feel guilty when you put your heart in position for God to bless you. God, I want to do everything for you, but don't do that part of the word for me. Just, Just let me stay with little stuff. Really? I bet you not one of you have ever prayed that. 
See, because there's a spirit of poverty and a spirit of greed. They will chase you the rest of your life too. I don't care how mature you and I get, they will chase you. They will always go after you. And they are on two extremes. Watch, watch this, poverty and greed. The spirit of greed says stuff comes from hard work only. It's about me. The spirit of poverty says stuff comes from the devil only. Man, there's something you must be doing wrong because look at, look at. The spirit of greed says you should be proud of your stuff. The spirit of poverty says you should be ashamed of your stuff. Both are wrong because they put the emphasis, watch it, on stuff. My emphasis of giving, my emphasis of life is not stuff. My emphasis is what God is saying to me and about the people that I'm ministering to. So when I stand up and I'm doing a memorial service to mom or my friend Tim, I want to tell you I'm going to stand up here and bite my tongue. The reason is because I will be emotional because I love those people. And the reality, and I love the families. Here's the second thing. Stuff is a stewardship test. God wants to know how we think about our stuff. He's looking around. The Bible says, we just read it. He's looking around. How are you treating your stuff? What do you think about your stuff? God not only tests our hearts with our stuff, he tests our hearts with other people's stuff. You ever sat at the light in your car and you look over and you see that other car? Yeah. Deuteronomy 5, 21 says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Again, God doesn't care how much stuff we have. One day that Corvette will look nice. Anyways, again, God doesn't, <laughs> doesn't care how much stuff we have, but he cares about how much our stuff has us. Again, does it have you? Coveting is where you set your heart on anything other than God. That's covetousness. That's greed. God wants us to go after him, and everything is about him. Go after God. Here's the deception. Greed causes us to expect to receive from people other than God. Now, God will use people to bless you. But the root of your blessing doesn't come from people. It comes from God because of how you and I act. You know, some people get mad because someone doesn't meet a need. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, I'm here in the evening or I'm here on Mondays and the doorbell rings. I go over there and someone, and they have a need. I have $5 in my pocket, Okay. They want me to put them up for a week in a hotel. I don't have that kind of money. 
Most of you don't have that kind of money to do that all the time with the many people. First of all, as the Lord, what are you saying? And the Lord says, no. And I said, I'm sorry, we don't have that. And here's, here's information. You can go and they throw something down or they cuss me out. What kind of a Christian are you? I said, well, you've got an hour. I can tell you what kind of a Christian I am. I don't say that because I didn't want to get in a fight. But the reality is that's, that's covetousness. That is literally, they're living in poverty, but they covet everything else that people have. The Bible says the poor you will always have with you. Now, have I given to the poor? Absolutely. It's what I did yesterday. It's what this church does every single Wednesday with cares. That's what we do a lot. That's what you do because you're givers when you're led of the Lord to help the poor. But here's the reality. People get mad at you because you don't meet their need. People come in my office and, and they'll have 25 years of terrible marriage and they want me to fix it in 30 minutes. Really? I believe in miracles. But it just doesn't work that way. Because there's a lot of seed planted. And then they get mad. Well, I went to the pastor's office and man, nothing to say. Really? I've been doing this almost 40 years. And I got a lot to say about marriage. I got a lot of scripture to quote to you too. I can show you a lot about marriage. But the reality is, is when you have greed and you're walking in covetousness, you don't hear the truth. You don't hear the truth. Well, you know how pastors are, okay? I, I just want to tell you, when I see people get raised up and get angry quickly, I assume, no, not always true, I assume they're walking in covetousness and greed. And they're not listening to move into a realm of the blessings of the kingdom of God because they're not planting good seed. See, stuff is a stewardship test. Here's the third. We'll close with this. And this is actually not a, a statement, but it's almost a question. What is the spirit of pride and poverty? This is what works through greed, pride and poverty. Deuteronomy 8.1 says, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. <clears throat> now look at this. Remember the word remember. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. In other words, you're, never mind. You should know in your heart that a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God 
to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Church, the Lord is bringing us into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and, and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. It's all God. He's the one that's blessed you. He's the one that's led you. He's the one that guides you. He's the one that tells you uh, when to give. He's the one that tells you what to give. He's the one that tells you how to treat your wife. He's the one that does that. But what you have to do is be a good steward of what you know. You have to be a good steward of what you have. Let's read on. Verse 11. Beware that you do not forget. Everyone say, don't forget. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, it didn't say you can't have those. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, let me tell you, church, when you tithe and you give above and beyond in every area of your life, you will multiply. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the, the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness and manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. He humbles you, he tests you to do you good in the end. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm hungry. I want to tell you, you stay focused on what he's doing. You listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He will bless you. Jesus said, look at that, that little woman giving what she gave. She gave more than everybody here. And a lot of rich people dumped a lot. That wasn't bad. They gave a lot. Amen. Rich people aren't evil, demonic. Neither are poor people. What happens is when we get into a lifestyle of measuring everything in life from our stuff, then we get out of line. Watch this, that he might test you to do you good in the end. You know what God's, everything that God's doing in your life to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So to end, let me say these few words. 
What is the principle of being grateful? Here's the principle of being grateful. Remember always, it is God who gave you power to get well. I'm grateful. No matter where I'm at, what's going on in my life, I'm grateful God has given me power to get well. So what do I do? How do I act? I stay focused on being that giver. Pride says, I earned it. I deserve more. Poverty says, I shouldn't have it and should feel guilty for what I have. Gratitude says, thank you, Lord. Gratitude always acknowledges the provisions of God. In Proverbs 10.22, it says, The blessing of the Lord make ones rich, and he adds no sour sorrow with it. He doesn't give you a sour life. He has no sorrow with it. So what do you do? How do you act? No matter what you face in life, always be thankful. For it is he that has a passion to do good in the end in your life. It's up to you to steward well. Let's all stand. Hallelujah.